Welcome to Episode 7 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of The What, When, Wine Diet, Paleo and Intermittent Fasting for Health and Weight Loss. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. 
New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, friends. This is episode seven of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I am Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hello. And I feel like we always start at the exact same way, but that's okay, I guess. (laughs) Um, I guess that's just what we do. It's what we do. So today's episode, we've been getting so many listener questions that today is going to be a listener Q&A episode, and we're going to try to tackle a lot of these so we don't get too behind, so we can keep the answers coming for everything that you guys send to us. So yes, yes, yes. Should we just jump or no well, I always I always do this I always say should we jump in and then I say oh wait but how are you <laughs> like, how are you I'm doing you? well Melanie how are you no I'm doing great it's it's a busy time of the year as I said last week we're wrapping down you're winding down the school year um I'm finished up with my kids but of course we're finishing up with the kids the kids are still at school I'm just not teaching this week so it's you know there's a lot in the air the last week of an elementary school and then how long is your summer? We end up, let's see, I have, next week I have to work a little, and then we're off the entire month of June and July, and then the very early August we go back. Two months? Yes. Do you have to yes. do a lot of planning and everything? No. See, I told you, I'm, I'm the gifted teacher. I, um, I work with the gifted kids, and so... The kids, you know, I have basic outlines of what we're going to do, and the kids are doing all the work. Being a gifted teacher is the best job. Nice. <laughs> How long have you been Have you been doing that, by the way? Well, I've been teaching for 27 years, and I've been teaching gifted at this school since 2007. I've actually been at the school since 2005, but I've been working with gifted kids since the 90s. So, a long time. Wow. It's fun. So, how about you? How was your week? Anything new? My week was good. Um, I had an audition yesterday for a TV show. So Ooh, that was, that's fun. That was good. I, it was a very um, snobby role. I, I get I get that a lot for um, like auditions. The the snobby <laughs> um, girl, which is not not me at all, but it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun to pull that you out. You get to play that part. Yes, yes. So that was good. That was good. Well, good. Well, I hope you get the part. Thank you. If uh. Nothing else. I just enjoy auditioning. It's really fun. Well, good. All right. So we can jump into our listener Q&A. Um, so I'll go ahead and read the first one. Okay. So this one comes from Kelly. And her the subject is, how much is too much? And Kelly says, thanks for starting your podcast. I'm enjoying it. I've been on alternate day modified fasting since February. How do you say this woman's name? I've always said Vera Day. That could be wrong, but it's, again, it's one I've never heard anyone say. Krista Veraday is her name. She's done a lot of alternate daily fasting research, and her book is The Every Other Day Diet. Yes. Um, I've always said, which now I'm realizing is not right. I've always said, like, Varady in my head. Regardless, her, her, <laughs> her plan. Um, so Kelly's been doing her plan with moderate success. In April, I discovered IF, and I've switched from a modified fast to full fasting. I'm down 25 pounds and feel amazing. Modified fasting left me feeling hungry and drained, but full fasts have the opposite effect. My current plan is a 42-hour fast three times per week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, with a five to six-hour eating window on three of the non-fasting days, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. 
and one day set aside where I don't worry about when or what I eat, Sunday. I've been thinking about changing the eating window days into one meal days, which would extend my fast to 48 hours and make my plan essentially <laughs> uh, whoa, whoa, <laughs> one meal every other day, so O-M-E-E-D. Does this sound too extreme? I have 100 pounds to lose, and there's little difference between fasting 42 or 48 hours. I'm not hungry and end up eating just because I think I should. Looking for advice on what's too extreme for intermittent fasting. Thanks. So what are your thoughts? Well, first of all, I want to clarify in case people are not sure what the difference between modified versus full fasts are. Yes, perfect. In the in the every other day diet and the alternate day fasting, all of those plans, they, they have what they call really a modified fast where you're allowed, I'm putting quotation marks up, allowed to eat up to 500 calories a day. This is also the basis of the 5-2 plan that's so popular and Basically, in my opinion, those modified fasts, I mean, they're not fasting. It's, it's a modified fast. And you're, you're getting some benefits. You're getting the, the benefit of calorie restriction, which has been linked to longevity. But you're not getting the true fast where you're just having, you know, we've talked about in, in the previous episodes, you know, if you don't spike your insulin, you really have a better chance of digging down into your fat stores and getting into um, ketosis and burning ketones for energy and you'll have a whole lot more energy. So when you're doing the modified fast, you may not be burning fat as much during the day. I think you won't be. And that's why you know, she said in the question, modified fasting left her feeling hungry and drained. Well, that's why she's not switching over to the, the fat burning mode that you get from a full fast. So I'm glad that she's realized the full fasts feel better because you're really, you're, you're getting the benefits of the fast. Now she talked about how she's Right now, she's really basically doing a 4-3 plan right now with the three full fasts and then a five or six hour eating window on on the alternate days and then the one day a week where she eats whatever she wants, which actually seems like a pretty good plan. And she's considering going even deeper to having the the day where she, the, the three days right now where she's eating in a five hour window, she's wanting to compress that even further into one meal. I do worry that that might make her feel burned out with the fasting. It, it seems like, I mean, she said she's not hungry, so I, I understand that. You want to listen to your appetite, not ever force yourself to eat if you're not hungry. But I feel like what she's doing now is probably a, a good way to go long term. Keep up the, the three full fasts and then the three days where you have the, the longer window and then the one day that basically would be a refeed day where Sunday where she's just eating whatever she wants. What do you think about that? Yeah. So, so I guess, so if she did the 48 hour plan that she's proposing, does that mean she, I guess she'd be doing that three times a week? It is. It would be three times a week, which just seems like a lot of fasting. Yeah. So I know she does have a hundred pounds to lose. I do think the more you weigh, the longer you can go with IF, like the more extreme you can be because you do have the weight to lose. Um, but that would be a go changing to three times per week doing the 48 hours that, I mean, that's, a, that's, that's a big jump. <laughs> it is. It, is. Um, it, just, it just seems like you could, I, mean, I, I agree with what you just said about more weight to lose. Your body has more fat to burn. And that's probably why she's not hungry. If her satiety signals have gotten in a balance based on her hormones, her body's saying, hey, we're good. We got plenty plenty of fuel here. 
So that would that would explain that. But yeah, I, I do think so health wise and potential of doing your body harm wise, which I, I think it's very rare that uh, we would do harm with fasting unless it's like a very, very extended fast and not getting adequate nutrition and electrolytes and such. Um, so I, I do think that if she's honestly not hungry, she's probably not doing harm, but I wouldn't suggest that she does do this extreme jump. Maybe she could try a 48 hour fast, like one day per week. I think that's a good solution. Maybe after the Sunday, if she's eating, having a a full refeed day on Sunday, then maybe do a a 48 hour fast after that and then pick back up. You know, when I was doing four, three, before I really got settled in the one meal a day plan that, that has become second nature. But when I was doing four, three, I did do three full fasts a week, but mine were 36 hour fasts. So I only did three 36 hour fasts. And eventually I did feel burned out. Like, like that was just too much. Yeah. Well, I've, I've never, we've talked about this before. I've never done more than 24 hours or I've never <laughs> gone longer. You've never than, gone a day. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so Kelly, I would say feel free to extend those hours maybe like once a week or so, but, um, and definitely go by hunger, but don't burn yourself out. And, and there is going to become a point where after you have lost the weight that I wouldn't even do the no the longer fast. Um, And I also have to say that if you start feeling an extreme hunger that's different, that's a sign that your body is not happy. So if you ever start feeling just like the urge to binge, then you've you've gone too far mm -hmm. and and your body is saying that it's in distress. So as long as your body is happy and you're, you're losing weight and you're happy and you get full and you're eating enough, your body will let you know. I agree. And also last thought. The modified fasting where you just eat the less calories throughout the day, that just makes me hungry all day. <laughs> Absolutely. I can't even imagine trying to do that. That's why I went to the full fasts when I was doing 4-3 just because, you know, trying to eat 500 calories. And some people, like, even try to space it out. Oh, see, like that's little, the worst. Oh, oh, it is the oh, worst. No. I can't even. <laughs> no. I can't. Like, maybe I could do a 500-calorie one meal if it was, like, all fat and it didn't spike my insulin at all. I, no, I or don't know. Or it would have to be at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but. that would that would be it for me. I would have to save it all up. Yeah, same. Let us know how it goes, Kelly, by the way, if you if you make adjustments or anything. We'd love to hear how it goes for you. All right, would you like me to read the next one? Sure. Okay, this one is from Karen, and the subject is IF and exercise, and it says, Hi, I have very recently discovered intermittent fasting and have done a few 24-hour fasts. I've decided to commit to two weeks of daily IF with a four-hour feeding window. I have two questions. One, I'm wondering how exercise is affected by IF, if at all. My weekly exercise looks something like this. Walking three to five miles per day, tennis once per week, resistance training twice a week, and one high-intensity, wait, what is it, H-I-I-T, what does that stand for? High-intensity interval training. Okay, the interval is what I couldn't think of. Yes, high-intensity interval training workout per week. Can I do any or all of these things in a fasted state? And two, I have dieted my whole life, and in the last year I've found that eating Whole30 slash Paleo and with moderate carb intake makes me feel the best. But I really struggle with consistency because I love baking and have found it so hard to give that up. If my goal is fat loss, does IF work if I'm still eating a higher carb, especially grain, in my diet? 
Okay. Great questions. So do you want, let's start with the exercise. Sure. And do that part first. What do you, what are your thoughts on exercise? How much, what do you do as far as exercise? Um, so I don't do any concentrated exercise. Like I don't go to the, the gym or anything like that. Me neither. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. Me neither. <laughs> um, I just basically try to live my life with lots of movement and I don't, I don't sit. I'm standing right now while recording this. Um, I just try to move as much as I can. I actually, I do wear weights during the day when I'm at my apartment. I have weights on my ankles right now. So then any any movement I do is automatically a weight-bearing exercise without me even realizing it. Um, but basically, I just try to live my life with movement and not be sedentary. That's exactly my philosophy. And, you know, if anyone that read my book knows that I hula hoop, which is yes, that's <laughs> wonderful for fun. And But I don't, I don't do any kind of formal exercise either. Although I will say, this is a side note just for a little tangent. Today um, at school, the kids are having field day. So some of the grades, even though I'm not teaching, there's still kids around. So one of the kids had a hula hoop, and I'm like, ooh, let me do it. So I hula hooped in the hallway, and I could have just gone forever. So everyone was impressed. All the kids were like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. I wasn't, like, forcing myself to work out. It's probably good for your abs, too. I think so. I have a weighted hula hoop, and I, I do think it's helping, you know, tighten up my abs, but it's fun. So what do you think What do you think about Karen's question about yeah, exercise? Yeah, so, so I people think IF uh, will make exercise harder. It's actually – the opposite. So IF actually benefits exercise. Um, they're actually very similar states. I, I One study from 2005 said, quote, interestingly, the cellular and the molecular effects of intermittent fasting on the cardiovascular system in the brain are similar to those of regular physical exercise, which suggests that they share similar mechanisms. Um, and so with IF, it upregulates your fat burning. So when you're doing physical activity, you have a more stable energy source. So you're able to go, especially for like walking, IF is great for walking because it really just gets you in that fat burning state. It gets rid of the, the proverbial ceiling on your endurance and just really helps with fat oxidation. Also, it spares, it's good for muscle building. Um, it actually spares your muscle tissue and They've done studies on fasted exercise, and they found that it upregulates genes for muscle growth. So when you do eat again afterwards, if you did some sort of muscle burning activity, um, it actually helps your muscle growth at the end of the day. So overall, I think exercise is or IF is great for exercise. I will say um, though that I mean you're doing you are doing a lot of a lot of stuff. Like you're walking, you're doing tennis, you're doing resistance training, yeah. and you're doing and so. A little bit about HIIT, that's high intensity interval training, which I actually think is it's one of the best ways to burn fat. If you're gonna do concentrated exercise where you're at a gym on a machine or something, HIIT has it's the creme de la creme for fat burning. Um, it's basically where you alternate very brief periods of like all out sprinting with very brief periods of recovery. So you some the session entire session might last just 15 minutes but you you alternate between those two and it's been shown to really um boost fat burning actually throughout the whole day um so i do think i think it's great it's all it's really intense though and so you are doing you're doing a lot basically um so while i think you can do all of these with if i don't know if i do all of that all the week i mean if i guess if if you're doing it and you're fine then keep on keeping on but that is a lot. Right. And I also think that it's 
when we say that it's easier perhaps to exercise, it's after your body has adjusted to being in the fat burning state. So if you're in early days and you're just starting out with intermittent fasting and you're trying to exercise, you may just feel like you're trying to move through jello and not have the energy. That's just something I hear from people. But once they adjust, once your body's used to running on your fat and you're you're in that fat burning state every day, that's when you have um, an easier time working out. I know a lot of people who say that they, their workouts have gotten so much better now that they've become adjusted to intermittent fasting than it was before they did the intermittent fasting. So I think I think that that's important. You got to get through that adjustment phase, and when you're trying to adjust, you know, don't be surprised that it's harder at first. Yeah, um, definitely go with your intuition. Yes. Um, and at like out of all those though, out of all the different exercises that you're doing, like I I do think like the walking will you'll probably see like really easy benefits with the IF from that. So there might be something to start with. You might want to bring the like the high intensity interval training a little bit later, <laughs> um, right? As your body gets used to it. Yeah. So do what works for you. You can totally do IF and exercise. Um, but like I said, I don't know if I would do all of that all at once while while you're starting IF. I want to take one thing at a time. So, all right. So her second question, what are your thoughts? So this is the question about, um, how should we summarize it? How, how the eating, the whole 30 slash paleo, but she's asking about, she basically the last sentence says, or the question says, if my goal is fat loss, does IF work if I'm still eating a higher carb, especially grain diet? Um, I know you have a lot to say about that because you have a paleo lean, but let me address the carbs quickly. Um, I'm doing a lot of research now. In fact, I am working on book two. Oh, yay. I really am, yes. Little little baby (laughs) plug there. I'll buy it. But thank you. (laughs) But um, I'm doing a lot of research into gut health, which is a huge, um, it's a trend right now, but I've been interested in it ever since, even before I lost the weight, I first read about, gut health and the study of the the mice or the rats and the the transplants where they change the gut bacteria and then the thin mouse would suddenly get that huge right so i was like well there's something to it and more and more is coming out every day more research about gut health and i've read a lot about how our gut bacteria i know this is not like you know sexy talk here but our gut bacteria thrive on high fiber foods and carbs. And so if you're cutting out carbs completely, then you're not going to feed that good gut bacteria. Grain, different kind of situation. You know, I I would never advise anyone to give up grain unless you're sensitive to grain. But I'm also reading a very interesting book right now that links, you know, if you have trouble with grain, that's a sign that your gut health is not ideal. So your goal would be perhaps to work on healing your gut so that you could tolerate grain again. So now we've talked before about processed foods versus natural foods. There's a whole lot of difference between a loaf of bread that I bake when I have ground the wheat with my grain mill. And yes, I do have a grain mill. Mm-hmm. And yes, I have <laughs> ground my own wheat into bread. And it's a very different product than when you buy a loaf of bread that's in the plastic wrap with a twist tie. That, that's a whole different product. So I don't think grains are necessarily a bad thing or carbs, but I think that the farther you get away from the natural state of the grain or the carb or the potato, the, the harder it is going to be for your body to um, 
to handle that food. So one thing that's really bad for your gut bacteria, heavily processed foods. So I do think that you're, you're going in the right track to give those things up, you know, the, the Whole30 slash Paleo, giving up the heavily refined grains. But if you can figure out a way to use more whole food grains or whole food carbs, lots of fiber, then you're going to be keeping your body healthy and perhaps healing your gut rather than, you know, the more you restrict, your gut biome then can't handle things anymore. The more you restrict, the less you're able to tolerate it. At least that's what I'm reading. What do you think, Melanie? Yeah, so so we're slightly divergent in our opinions, but... I know uh, we would be, since you're... <laughs> but, but we do have a lot of similarities as well. Um, so reading your question, you're talking about uh, benefiting with higher carb and especially grain. Actually, as far as higher carb goes, I'm completely down for higher carb, especially if they're coming from whole foods. Um, well, I wouldn't say grains, but like fruits and vegetables and such. I don't think that's going to hinder your fat loss at all, especially for me personally, if it's like sweet potatoes, if it is whole 30 paleo, so it's like sweet potatoes, vegetables, fruit, go to town. I'd, and, and paired with IF, like you're going to be golden. It's not going to, I don't think it's going to hinder your fat loss. I actually do think the problem is actually more with the grains. Um, so <laughs> I, I, knew, I knew that we would be divergent with I that. Just, I, and I, I know that grain is very, um, it's a, hotly debated topic it is it is and i acknowledge that and i am a big proponent of doing what works for you and i do know there are a lot of cultures that do consume grains especially in like the properly prepared form sprouted yeah sprouted so they're mitigating those anti-nutrients breaking down a lot of those problematic proteins um so i it could have its place in certain cultures and certain preparation methods I personally can't advocate grains, um, and I you did say that you feel the best doing Whole30 and Paleo without the grains, so I do think that is pretty telling for you personally, um, and I as well, I do personally think gra- grains are fairly inflammatory, and so I think if you're seeing problems in your fat loss goals, it could have to do with um, grains. I, I, I just can't, whole, I just can't um, with a good conscience advocate consuming grains. Uh, that's just my personal perspective. Uh, but I will say something we kind of skipped over in her question. Um, we didn't skip over, but, um, something I just realized that, uh, I like to address you. you I think one of the reasons you're having trouble giving this up is because you said you love baking and you have found that really hard to give up. So what I would suggest, um, is to, there are so many, you said you do whole 30 paleo, like whole 30 and paleo, like baking recipes and amazing things you do that you can do. So rather than seeing it as a restriction, like, oh, I can't bake with grains. Instead, think about this whole new world of baking that you could try with like nut flours, like almond flour and coconut flour. And some of the stuff can taste amazing and you're still baking and you're still making amazing things and it's super fun. (laughs) So what I would suggest is that you try to explore new paleo friendly and whole 30 friendly baking, uh, things to try. And don't stress about the higher carb intake. Yeah, I think that's that's a, a great point. You really can still bake with it, and I want to say it is absolutely okay that we do not agree. I know. I think it's every I think point. It, the, the, finally, finally, <laughs> I, I think fine. yeah. I guess this is the first one that we kind of diverge on, like sort of significantly. But um, I I do think what you said is important, and that is that if you realize you feel better mm-hmm. without the grains. You know, gut health is not fully dependent on grains, no. If you're eating fibrous carbs, then you're, you're also feeding the gut. You know, resistant starch, 
that you get from many different things. You don't have to have grains in your diet to feed your gut. So. Yeah, I was actually – so I was just reading this uh, study today. Um, so Paleolithic man actually consumed way more fiber than we do today, but it was primarily – I mean, it was all from fruits and vegetables – Whereas today we actually take in less fiber, but we take it in primarily from grains. And that type of fiber um, is not as supportive of the gut microbiome as fruits and vegetable fiber is. I do. I agree with that. Um, and then also it also the mineral bioavailability, bioavailability is not as ideal in grains because it can uh, get bound with phytic acid, which inhibits absorption. Um, but I'm not going to go on a whole tangent about grains. But <laughs> I think we I think we addressed her question. We do, and I just think that the key, you know, with grains, no grains, either way, don't be afraid of just the whole food group carbs. That's, that's exactly I think, something I think we that's a do great agree takeaway. with. And that you know, a carb is not a carb is not a carb. So you know, there's a lot of difference between a pop tart and a sweet potato. One, yeah. your body is going to be healthy eating, and the other one. I don't even know why you'd eat it. <laughs> yeah. Like, side note, I was actually, so today I was work, rewriting the carbohydrate chapter of my book. Um, and I, I realized how much I've changed completely because I used to be like so adamant about the low carb. And, um, but now I'm very much welcoming of like fruits and vegetables. And I've realized, I think we, we fixate on like, oh, the all, all carbs are bad. But yeah. And it's, that's not even, it's not true. Well, the more we learn, we realize that they actually do serve a purpose. And I fully bought into the the science of never eat a carb. And I read all the books and it, you know, because we're talking about insulin and lowering your insulin being the goal. And so we think, well, if we're going to need to lower our insulin to lose weight, then we should just lower it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But there's actually some benefit to periods of having insulin. I mean, insulin does have some functions in the body. So if you never have, I mean, do you want to constantly be in a state of never releasing insulin? No. No. Yeah. I think metabolic flexibility is key. So being able to switch between mostly fat burning during the day, which you're getting, or during your fasted state, um, but then being able to adequately process carbohydrates without over spiking your insulin. Exactly. um, I think that's the key. So. And also, real food carbs are not yes. going to do that. You're, they have the fiber in there that prevents it from happening. Yes. So real food. You're, you're getting, you know, it's it's intermittent fasting, and we also are, are eating things, and our body has like a cycle that it goes through mm-hmm. with the eating, the feeding, and the, the fasting. And I just really think that the gut biome is healthier when we eat a variety of foods. I've, I'm reading several different things at once. I don't know. I've got several books going, but... <laughs> um, they just tend to agree that a variety of foods is is what your gut biome needs. You don't want to over restrict. And I'll stop myself because I could go on. A, I think a lot of our, a lot of people's gut microbiomes are really messed up as well, so and too. so they can't tolerate certain carbs. That that's a whole nother. It is. It is it's a whole nother that, ballpark. Um, but the the good news is you can fix that. You can. That's actually a big, no, I don't want to like plug myself, but if you go, if you do have digestive issues and problems, um, if you go to my website, <laughs> melanieavalon.com, I actually have made a huge, um, a, a huge guide that's like 30 pages and it compares all the different potentially fermentable types of carbs and vegetables and fruits and all of that. And it shows you which ones might be problematic for you. And you can kind of, if you are struggling with digesting certain foods, that might really help you. It's I, I call I call it like the IBS guide or something. Um, well, plug away. I think that's valuable. Okay, it's so, really helpful. Awesome. I would really recommend going. So <laughs> melanieavalon.com and 
go there. I'll put the link in the show notes as well. All right, so we'll move on to our last question. So this question comes from Tamara. Subject is maintenance. And she says, what would you consider a fasting protocol for someone trying to maintain their weight loss? Thanks. Do you want to? I will. Basically, for me, it's just continuing you know, the lifestyle that I've, I've been leading. And I, I tend to think of myself as having up to a five-hour window, but I don't time it anymore. Like I'm, I have one meal a day, I eat, but some days it's longer and I've learned to listen to my appetite. So really just keep doing what you're doing. The fasting protocol that gets you to your maintenance stage is the one that will probably keep you at your, at your goal weight. And actually I have found, I've continued to lose fat slowly, but not in a way that, that is overly losing weight. You're not just going to lose it all and disappear. My body knows, hey, there's still a little bit of fat here, a little bit of fat there that can go. And so the good news about maintenance is it really is effortless. You just keep keep following your protocol, and then you can have a, a few, you know, a few more relaxed days here and there for special occasions. You know, that wouldn't be like every other day or, you, you know, now you're only fasting once a week. You need to keep up the, the intermittent fasting regimen and – Enjoy the special occasions when they occur. What do you think? Yes, I I agree completely. So we're back to agreeing completely. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> um, yeah, people seem to ask, and I'm sure you experience this a lot more, Jen, with the Facebook groups and such, but people seem to really be worried because they they're lo- they lose weight with IF and then they worry that that's going to stop once um, once they are at maintenance, that they'll need that to they're like, gonna keep, that, yeah, or Well, they worry that they're going to keep losing past like a point of, of being normal. And that's, I mean, that does come up. And people are like, help, I've lost more weight than I meant to. And Yeah, I think people think that. Or they think that you're either, they think you're either always losing or gaining. Right. Like, so, like, for some reason, you're going to automatically switch to gaining. You're not going to switch to maintenance. Like, that, that's, not, like that's not an option or something. Um, but what, so what I would say is, like you said, Jen, keep doing what you're doing. Um, for me personally, because – Ever since I've been in maintenance mode, I it just it's effortless. Uh, it but is what, effortless. That's the best word for it. Mm-hmm. What I like to do though is I I just never eat if I'm not hungry. So I don't break my fast out of habit. Um, I wait until I'm hungry, and if I'm not hungry, I I don't break my fast. I just there's I don't see any reason to. Um, and then I also stop when satisfied. So I don't eat to the point of. <laughs> like nausea or anything like that. Um, but I mean, that's going to happen naturally. And like we said, effortlessly with the IF. So I would just keep on doing, just keep on doing what you're doing. And if you do see that, um, your weight starts creeping back up or you are gaining weight, which I don't think is going to happen, but if that does happen, that's when you would want to readdress and maybe tighten things up a little bit. I think so. And really, the only time I struggled with weight regain was before I gave up the stevia. Once I gave that up, it's just all fell into place and it's been effortless like like we said earlier. That's just the best word best word to describe it. I like a daily eating window. I I did do 52 for maintenance one summer, like like two summers ago. And it was when I was still I had just reached my goal and so I still wasn't quite 
appreciating the fasted state every day. And I wanted to still kind of go back to normal, quotation mark. And so I would eat for the five normal days and then have two fasted days per week. And I was able to maintain with that. But I just really didn't like eating all day. And I realized I feel better when I have the evening eating window. Yeah, I was going to say, I think, so because her question was, what do you consider a fasting protocol for maintenance? I think one meal a day is honestly fantastic. Just perfect. Keep doing it. I mean, if you enjoy 5-2, you know, you could do that. But we don't know what she's doing, I guess. We don't. um, But, (laughs) yeah, one meal a day is amazing. It really is. But I know when people, when I was in the 4-3 Facebook groups and the 5-2 groups, some people would do 6-1 to maintain. But I just wouldn't, I I don't think that I would feel well doing that, eating all the time. Well, I'm sorry we didn't get to the last question. I guess they don't even know what question was coming, so. But there are more questions coming. They don't know we skipped them. We might actually have to switch (laughs) over to doing primarily uh, listener Q&A questions for the next few episodes to catch up. Um, But works well. It gives us a lot of interesting topics for sure. We do. Lots of good stuff. Yep. So thank you all so much for listening. So a few quick notes. Um, If you enjoyed today's episode, we would love if you could leave a review on iTunes. That really, really helps. Um, And if you'd like to submit your own question for the podcast, you can do that two ways. You can email your questions to questions at ifpodcast.com. Or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit your questions there. Also on that website, you can subscribe for updates. So we will keep you up to date on the podcast. And you can also get show notes about today's episode. episode so you can see studies that we talked about, links to that, um, and just anything else about today's episode. So yes, um, any final thoughts from you, Jen? No, I think it was a great episode. And See, we don't agree 100% on everything, and that is I know. Okay. I think it's good. It shows that, yeah, it's not a uh, – we're not – what's what's the word? Like we're not uh, working together a takeover. We're not the Stepford Fasters. Right. We're not, no. I mean, there, there are many approaches to eating, and it, it is about finding what works for you and makes you feel really good. I think we agree on that, and that's, I think, the foundational thing. Because if you're feeling good with what you're doing, um, I think that's the key. Your body is telling you, hey – This is working for you. Definitely. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you next Monday. All right. Yes. (laughs) See you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, the opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. Check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.